welcome to this week's edition of the Taught by Grace podcast. We will explore God's Word to learn how we can live by God's grace and for His glory. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Here's your host, Noah Hooper. This week we come to the second saying of Jesus on the cross. Last week we saw Him say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He prayed for those who were crucifying him, who hated him, who mocked them. We saw the heart of Christ in that. But now this week, we see the answer to this question. How does Jesus receive sinners? We'll come to that when we get to the end of the episode to see what Jesus actually said. However, before we get there, we need to lay a little bit of groundwork about the event that unfolded, which led to Jesus say what he said. And we start with the crucifixion, where Jesus was crucified between two thieves. In Mark 15, verses 27 and 28, And with him they crucified two thieves, the one on his right hand and the other on his left. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, and he was numbered with the transgressors. Jesus was crucified between two thieves. The sinless Son of God was identified with criminals who were worthy of death. Jesus was crucified as a common thief, murderer, and rebel. He was identified with those who deserved to die for their crimes, even though he never sinned. This wasn't an accident either. Mark reminds us that it was the fulfillment of Isaiah 53 that said he was numbered with the transgressors, the just with the unjust, the righteous with the unrighteous, the sinless with sinners. It reminds us that he died with sinners. He was identifying himself with sinners. But he wasn't just identifying himself with sinners. He was identifying himself with sinners because he was dying for sinners. This is about substitution. Jesus was crucified and numbered with the transgressors to show that it is for the transgressors he came and he was taking their place on the cross. He wasn't just crucified, but he was crucified with criminals. This is shameful. This is devastating. The sinless Son of God is identified with sinners. But not only was he crucified with them, but these thieves mocked him. In Matthew 27, verse 44, the Bible says, The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. The two thieves who were being crucified with Jesus joined in with the others who mocked Jesus. To the right of Jesus, one said, Surely, if you are the Son of God, you would save yourself. To the left of Jesus, Ah, you're nothing but a fake and a phony. You're not really the Christ. The rejection of Jesus was so great that these two men found enough strength to mock Jesus with the crowd. They found a way to mock and ridicule Jesus while they were being crucified. And both of them did. Both the unrepentant and the repentant thief began in the same place. Now we know by the end of this, because we're talking about the thief on the cross today and how Jesus received him, we know by the end of this that he repented. But at the beginning, they were in the same place. They were both completely against Jesus. Whether in nature, conduct, or outright blasphemy as those people on that day, this is where every single person begins. 
like these thieves, we all begin as sinners in direct opposition to Jesus. We're criminals, rebels, the children of wrath. So as we come back to our text, we see that one of the thieves stayed there, but the other didn't. This scene for the crucifixion is absolutely marvelous. And we come to our text in Luke 23, verse 39. And one of the male factors, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. Notice the difference in the language here from Matthew 27. Then both of the thieves were railing and mocking Jesus. Now, however, it is just one thief and one of the male factors. He blasphemed Jesus. He mocked Jesus. In fact, he condemned Jesus. If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. What an accusation. He basically says, prove yourself. If you're really who they say you are, then you can certainly save yourself and us. Surely you can take both of us down from these wooden crosses. Show it. Let everyone know that you really are who you say you are. And this is how many view Jesus. They don't see Jesus as the sufficient Savior. They just want Jesus to prove himself and meet their temporal physical needs. That's what the one thief saw Jesus as. This criminal was in the same condition he was when he was nailed to the cross, and he would die in this condition. He would die viewing Jesus as nothing but a fake and nothing but a phony, but not the other. There's been a change in the other criminal's heart sometime during the crucifixion. He first starts speaking, and he speaks first to the man, then he speaks to Christ. To the man, he says in Luke 23, verse 40, But the other answered, rebuking, rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? As the one man is mocking Jesus, the other speaks up and rebukes him. Do you not fear God? Don't you understand that you and I are both about to die? This is not the time for joking, jeering, and mocking. This is the time to be serious. This criminal understood that death was very near for both of these men, that they were in the same place Jesus was, that they were all about to die. But he also understood something else, that while he and the man to the other side of Jesus were dying for the crimes they had committed. Jesus was clearly being crucified as an innocent man in verse 41. And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. The thief on the other side of Jesus, he felt the nails in his hands, splinters in his back, and breath out of his lungs and understood this is what both of us deserve. They were criminals, and they were being condemned as criminals. They hadn't received more than they deserved either, but they received the due reward of our deeds. He's saying this is exactly what we deserve. They had, whatever it was that they had done in their theft had merited the death penalty, and this man understood that. He came to a deep realization that he was being crucified for his crimes and that this is what his crimes merited. Even more than seeing what he deserved from the government, he saw what he deserved from God for his sin. Put simply, this criminal realized he had sinned and what his sin deserved. So what was he to do now? He starts 
in the same place as the other. They both were against Jesus, but now he's in a different place. Now he understands he's a sinner. And by the way, this is where everyone must get to. We must all get to the place where we understand we deserve what we're getting and we deserve far worse because of our sin. But it doesn't stop there. What happens next is one of the most glorious occasions in all of the Word of God. This criminal who is worthy of the death he is receiving receives salvation in the final hours of his life. He realized that he was a sinner, but he also realized something even greater. He had nowhere else to turn, but he found that he could turn to the man on the middle cross. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. He doesn't give a resume. He doesn't say, this is why I deserve salvation. This man has only one argument and only one plea. He turns to Jesus and Jesus alone, asking that he may show grace and kindness to him. He says, Lord, this man saw Jesus for who he was. He wasn't a criminal. He wasn't a sinner. He wasn't a phony. This man was Lord. He was worthy of reverence and submission. Now, we don't know what this thief knew about Jesus. We don't know if he heard about his miracles. We don't know if he heard his teaching. We don't know if he knew a single thing about Jesus. But what he saw on the cross showed him that there was something different about Jesus. What he saw on the cross showed him that this is not a mere man, that this is not a mere criminal, but that he is Lord. He's not like us. Notice the substance of his request. Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. He knew he couldn't do anything. His only hope was that Jesus may remember him. This man is about to die. His life is about to end. He can't do anything to merit salvation. He could in anyways, but he can't even go through the means God had ordained to offer sacrifices for sins. He couldn't do anything. He is absolutely hopeless were it not for Jesus. He turns to Jesus in faith, seeing him as his only hope, and asks that he would remember him. The thief on the cross understood this. I am a sinner, and that man is the Savior. He turns to Christ alone in faith. He prays for this man to remember, and that's exactly what Jesus said he would do. Now, nearing the end of our episode, we finally come to the second saying of Jesus on the cross. What was his response to this man's request? What was his response to this nasty criminal saying, remember me? What was his response to this man who at one point was gnashing on him and mocking him and reviling him? What did Jesus say when he said, remember me? In verse 43, and Jesus said unto him, verily, I say unto thee, today thou shalt, shalt thou be with me in paradise. This is marvelous. He doesn't ignore the cry of the criminal. He doesn't reject it. He doesn't get at him for not being perfectly theologically correct or not have any moral efforts to bring. Instead, he receives the request of the man and promises to save him. He says, verily, I say unto thee, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. This is certain. Verily, truly, Jesus spoke to him with absolute certainty. This is going to happen. There's no doubt about it. The word of Christ is his bond. When he says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. But not just in certainty, but immediately. He said, today 
Thou shalt be with me in paradise. This thief wasn't going to atone for a single one of his sins. The work Jesus was doing was so sufficient that when that thief left his last breath behind, he would be with Jesus. He wasn't going to purgatory. He wasn't going to atone for his sins, but the the man on the middle cross was so sufficient and so enough that he said, today you will be with me in paradise. I'll not only remember you when I come into the kingdom, but I'm taking you with me. Thou shalt be with me in paradise. You are mine now, and I will bring you there. This is the glorious promise that Jesus gave to the thief on the cross who said simply, remember me. You know what Jesus said? I will. He didn't hesitate. He said, I'll receive you. You are mine now. So how did the thief on the cross receive this promise? What did he do to make him worthy of Jesus saying, today thou shalt be with me in paradise? He didn't have anything to give Jesus. He couldn't get baptized. He didn't have any theological jargon. The only thing this man had was faith in the man on the middle cross. He knew that there was one there who was totally different from everybody else. He turned to Jesus alone for salvation, and Jesus alone was enough. Friends, this is all that matters still. The second saying of Jesus points us to the sufficient free grace of our Savior. The thief on the cross reminds us that our salvation isn't about us at all. It's about Jesus. He got in because Jesus received him. He got in because Jesus died for him. He got in because Jesus would bring him in. This is the only way we get in as well. The thief on the cross reminds us that Jesus receives any sinner that comes to him. He doesn't require any moral effort to get in. He doesn't require us to have a perfect theological understanding of everything. All that he requires is that we would know what the thief knew, and that is this. I am a sinner, but that man is the Savior, and I trust in him. It's about Jesus. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Taught by Grace podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, I hope you will consider subscribing and leaving a review on whatever podcast platform you listen to it on. So I hope you will join me next week on the next edition of the Taught by Grace podcast.